So as I mentioned at the beginning of Mass, starting this weekend and moving through the next four Sundays, all of August, we as a church will be walking through John chapter 6. And so if you notice, we've kind of been reading through Mark. And so every three years, when we go through the Gospel of Mark, the church implants this great teaching of Christ in John chapter 6 into the lectionary, into the cycle of readings. Now, we're not going to be able to see every single detail, but we're going to try to really capture the heart of the matter and the meat of Jesus' teaching. And remember, what's so significant about this chapter that I mentioned in the beginning of Mass is that it's in John chapter 6 where we get Jesus' most explicit teaching on the Eucharist. It's the central text for understanding what Jesus meant by his words that bread is now his flesh. Is it just a symbol? Is it just a sign? Or is it his body, blood, soul, and divinity? Now you may say, well, Father, what if I don't go to the Mass that you're going to preach at? Well, communication technology is so great now, right? And so I have a podcast, a YouTube channel. You can go and uh, listen to them as I put them up. So they will be available. And so I invite you to walk with us in these next couple weeks. You know... We're so used to receiving the Eucharist that I think its glory and its beauty sometimes passes us. We probably heard this chapter over and over and over again from from John chapter 6. But I'm going to invite you that when you come to Mass and when you sign your forehead, your lips, and your heart to kind of put yourself back in the first century as though you're going to hear him for the first time. Ask questions about it. Ponder it, think about it, pray over it, hear it with fresh ears. And hopefully by the end of our journey, you can kind of be like the crowd today. You can had your fill and you were satisfied with the words of Christ. You took it all in, you let it penetrate your heart. You have a new and fresh devotion for the Eucharist and a love for Christ. So let's begin our journey. The first thing we realize is that when the church wants to turn our minds and hearts to this teaching on the Eucharist, she doesn't just go straight into the meat of Jesus' words where he says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Or, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Rather, she wants us to get the whole picture. She wants us to really experience the weight of Jesus' words and actions. And so she gives us the context in which Jesus teaches us on the Eucharist. Why? Because Jesus was intentional about making this miracle precede his teaching. And so today we're giving that account of the multiplication of the loaves. There's four details that we got to pay attention to. And maybe you caught them, maybe you didn't. So I want to highlight them for you. The four are this. A mountain, Passover, bread, and the number 12. I want to repeat that again. A mountain, Passover, bread, and the number 12. First John gives us a scene. He says that Jesus and his disciples, they go up a mountain. They sit down, and Jesus is with them. And then the crowd approaches them. Secondly, the miracle of the multiplication 
And then the subsequent teaching on the Eucharist is at a specific time in the life of the people. Just like us Catholics, we have feast days and celebrations. So do the Jewish people. They were celebrating the feast of Passover. Third, the Bread of Life discourse, right? That that teaching on the Eucharist is preceded by a miracle revolving around bread. That is no coincidence. Fourth, how many baskets were left over? Twelve. Twelve baskets. So, let's put this all together. It's Passover. Jesus goes up the mountain with his disciples. The crowd approaches him. He performs this miracle around bread. And there are twelve baskets left over. Now, like I said, put yourself back in that time. Would this have brought to mind anything? Would this have got their minds wondering Would this have maybe brought to their attention a certain person in history? You bet. They would immediately have thought of this figure who was somewhat important. His name was Moses. Because before before freeing the Israelites, God commanded Moses to establish the Feast of Passover. So they're in Egypt. They celebrate the Feast of Passover. They cross the Red Sea. What happens after that? They're in the wilderness. And what does God, through Moses, feed the people with in the wilderness? Miraculous bread called manna. And then after three months of traveling and eating this bread, they get to a certain place called Mount Sinai. And so Moses, when they get to the mountain, guess what Moses does? He climbs the mountain. And there's one last detail. Let's not forget about that number 12. Would the number 12 have hinted anything to them? How many tribes were in the nation of Israel? 12. 12. And so you may be like, Father, this is a little stretch. I mean, would they really have thought of Moses? I mean, there's some cool parallels, but what would they have thought? Let's listen to how they responded. Because after all this happened, this is what John tells us. When the people saw the sign he, that's Jesus, had done, they said this. This is truly the prophet, the one who is to come into the world. So after all this took place, they're like, this is the prophet. Notice they didn't say what? This is a prophet. Oh, this is a cool guy coming on the scene. No, no, no. This is the prophet. And to the people of Israel, to the Jewish people, the prophet was Moses. Because scripture tells them so. Because in the book of Deuteronomy, before Moses dies, God tells Moses something very important. He says this to Moses, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their own people. I will put my words in the mouth of the prophet who shall speak to them everything I command. And so the expectation of the Messiah was none other than a new Moses. And this new Moses would have done exactly what Moses did. And that's what Jesus is doing. 
And so that's why they're like, oh my goodness. This is him. This is the guy. I don't know if you caught the little detail at the end, what they want to do to him. They want to make him king. Like, he's here, y'all. Let's set up his throne. Let's get this party started. And Jesus says, no, no, no. I haven't come to set an earthly kingdom. And so through this miracle, through this sign, what Jesus is saying to the people is, just like Moses fed the old Israel in the desert, so I'm going to feed the new Israel, the church, with miraculous bread, with supernatural bread. And so he's preparing their hearts, preparing their minds for that important teaching on the Eucharist. So Jesus goes up the mountain. It's Passover. They're literally celebrating their freedom and God providing for them in the desert. He does a miracle around bread. And there's 12 baskets left over. And they had their fill. The new Moses is unveiling his identity. But more importantly, he's unveiling his divinity. See, Elisha, in the, in the first reading, he provided for 100 people. Jesus, over 5,000. Over 5,000. You know, by the miracle of Jesus, the crowd had their fill. They were satisfied. And it all started with five loaves and two fish. In the scope of things, that was a very small, small offering. And there were 5,000 men. That wasn't counting women and children. So you could guess, there was like 8,000 people there. Ever tried to feed 8,000 people? It's very hard. But notice the detail John gives us. Everyone had their fill. Everyone was satisfied. And my brothers and sisters, I think that we can put ourselves even more into the story because I think, I think that you and I are the little boy and we're the crowd. We're the little boy because we have five barley loaves. Barley was for the poor. That's what poor ate, poor people ate. And so his offering was really small in the scope of things, but he offered it anyway. And I think for us, I'm probably all of us here at some point in our lives, and even now, we think to ourselves, I have nothing to give to God. Or we may think my offering is so menial. It's so small. And Jesus is inviting us today to offer it. He's going to say, watch what I can do with it. Watch me work a miracle with even your small offering. You're struggling with faith. You're struggling with your family. You're struggling to pray. You're struggling with your coworkers. You're struggling even to make it to a mass on Sunday. Jesus says, whatever you got, give it to me. And let me work a miracle in your life. And then we're like the crowd, because when we give him just a little bit, he satisfies us to the fill with everything we want. 
And not only satisfies us, but he provides so much more. As the psalm says, our cup runneth over. Our cup runneth over. My brothers and sisters, this is what Jesus wants to offer each and every one of you. A chance to offer, even if it's the smallest thing, and a chance to be filled with him. Because he will desire every hunger of your heart. Plus more. So give him whatever you got. Even if it's just a little, little, just a little bit. And let him show you how you can multiply it. And fill you and satisfy every desire of your heart.